those lovely notes from Giuseppe Verdi mean it's time for another edition of Serie A Sit Down, World Football Index's podcast of Calcio at the highest level. I'm Frank Cravello. Glad you've clicked on and gotten stuck in with us. I'll get right to it. My co-host, fellow Milanisti, Richard Carmen, is with us. Ciao, Richard. Ciao, Frank. How's it going, man? Uh, had to pass a late fitness test to do this one. Uh, so you got clearance there, medical clearance. Medical clearance, exactly. Went to the Milan lab, and uh, you know that's the only reason why I can uh, can last so long doing these podcasts now. So just like some of the senatori back in the day, um, but yeah, just uh, got crushed with the bronchitis. Thought you were going to be on your own, and uh, lucky enough, um, lucky enough at the last minute decision, I left it late. And then uh, you send an email, and it's interesting. You send the email with the script, and you say leaving it late like Milinkovic Savage. You, you you give no consideration to the fact that uh, our guest panelist today is a Roma guy. <laughs> why would you why, why would you do that? Oops. Just this, there goes there goes the credibility of Zeria sit down right there in one fell swoop. If you ever wanted to know, we went from last week went went last week. Richard plugging his other pods at the end of Zeria sit down, saying if you don't like Zeria, you can listen to these things after they listen to us for an hour and ten minutes, and it's gone from that and now making a Lazio reference when we have a Roma guest. Uh, on and uh, let's get to that Roma guest. He's the editor of AS Roma Press, writer for at official AS Roma on Twitter. Uh, he's the host of the Roma Press podcast. We say ciao to John Solano. Hey guys, how are you? Glad to be uh, back on. And not the best intro, but that's okay. We'll get over well, it. We'll get over it. You know what? And and when we're going to be rubbing salt on your wound, on, we're going to be rubbing salt on wounds again. And the other only other time we had John, I think that uh, Roma lost a home match there to Napoli. So. Um, we, we yeah. gotta, we gotta get you, we gotta get you on when they're like, uh, maybe away to Juventus and they're not expected to win. Oh, um, yeah. and then they, they turn it around and then they maybe break the streak at the J, uh, just, uh, just a thought putting that out there. So yeah, I, yeah. The, the yeah. way it's looking though this season, I, I don't know. We'll, <laughs> we'll have to play it by ear. We'll talk about that Roma intergame here in just a minute. Uh, that will, uh, that will headline, uh, what happened in match week two. Uh, but before we get to that, let's get to what happened at midweek. Uh, the draws for the UEFA Champions League and uh, the UEFA Europa League uh, took place. And uh, we had uh, three teams from Italy in the Champions League and uh, three teams from Italy in the Europa League. Uh, let's start with those Champions League draws. And, John, we're going to start with your team first, Group C. Uh, I think all three of these groups are going to be tough. For the Italian teams, uh, and that's because the Italian teams are in them. And uh, you have Group C with Chelsea, Atletico Madrid, your Roma, and uh, Carabag. Um, your reaction when you saw the draw? Oh, well, it was about as bad as it could get. Um, you know, before I saw their name drawn, there were, after the, the first two pots went, you know, I had my eye on maybe you know, two, maybe three groups to avoid. Um, and it was actually the one with Manchester United just because uh, Roma's history with Manchester United is just horrific. Um, but, <laughs> yeah, when I saw them get that draw, um, I, I mean, really about as bad as it gets. Um, you know, and even even when Kiribati was was drawn, I mean, that's... <laughs> I mean, those, those long flights over to those you know odd countries um mm -hmm. they're never i mean we saw roma um struggle a few years ago with big borisov when it, you know everyone counted that as six points in the back so 
Um, I, I don't know what to expect from this, um, but it, it was, in terms of the draw, just about as bad as it could get, really. The path for Roma to get through this group, because everyone's going to pencil in Chelsea and Atletico Madrid. Um, I might try to give you a little bit of encouragement here. If there's a path for Roma, it's because maybe, just maybe, Atletico Madrid's window is closing. Um, you know, two finals in the last three seasons, it's nothing to sneeze at. But when you have a season where you're not allowed to make any, you know, any transfers uh, and they're done until January and the team is basically as you were, um, thin enough to begin with and now challenging them to be in a more difficult group, I, I think Chelsea are going to be difficult on Roma. Uh, but if, I, if they're going to knock off somebody to get to the last 16, it would be Atletico Madrid. Would you agree or do you think it would be Chelsea? Um, I, it's tough to say, um, just because in my opinion, I don't think Chelsea have had the greatest transfer window. Um, uh, Hazard has been out. He's had the ankle problems. Um, you know, he should be returning soon, but we don't know what that looks like. Really the only encouragement I got from the draw itself. Um, and I, I, I mentioned this on my own podcast was, um, I think really you got to hope and pray the the transfer ban affected Atletico to Madrid to the point where they're just so tired um, during the midweek from their league match that maybe you try and take advantage of the lack of depth. But that first 11 is just so strong of there. It's just across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, It's hard to envision that happening. But, you know, really the only sense of encouragement I got was (laughs) was actually when the calendar came out. Um, I mean, they started home against Atletico and then they go away. Um, to cure a box. So, I mean, if you can, you know, the, the path, you know, champions league, almost like the world cup to an extent, obviously you play less matches, but you know, um, if you can take care of the things at home, which they haven't done in the last couple of years, um, there's a slight, slight chance now, you know, champions league, obviously far different than the world cup, but there's always, you know, everyone, you know, everyone has their own, um, uh, their own theories as to how you advance out of the, you know, out of the group stage. Um, you know, mine is always simple. Just win at home. It, it doesn't matter what you do away from home, try and get a point somewhere, just win at home. Yep. And you would like to think your odds are good. You know, just like in the world cup, they say, you know, usually you can get, you know, you can move on with, with four points with a win and a draw. You know, in this case, I think if you win at home, you at least give yourself a chance. Um, I, I just I, Atletico Madrid is tough. Um, we're going to be seeing them right after the international break. I, you know, I hate to be that guy, but maybe hope for an injury somewhere. Um, <laughs> yep. I, I just don't see the recipe. Um, I, I I don't see a logical route for them to take to where we can say, hey, this, you know, this seems possible or this seems doable. I, I just don't see it, um, especially with especially with Roma's European record of late. Um, now, maybe yeah. that's changed under DiFrancesco. Maybe, um, you know, I, I hate to say this too, but maybe Totti not being in the locker room helps things. I don't know. I'm just trying to put my finger on anything that could potentially help. Um but uh, again, um, just sort of like how people have their theories with the World Cup, I have my theories with the Champions League. You win at home, you give yourself a chance. Um, 
you know, they, uh, it's a tall order. It's a really tall order. Again, this is, um, you know, the, the Roman luck, as I like to say, I mean, they, they had no business getting drawn into that group. Um, if you looked at pot three, I mean, they were probably one of the stronger teams. Um, that's my opinion. But again, I, I tweeted this out, you know, the, the way you help yourself in things like this and take away bad luck is you do well in Europe, whether it's a Champions League or Europa League. You help your uh, you help you help your UEFA rating. That way, you can move up in the pots. Um, this is just the culmination of Roma being horrific in Europe over the last five, seven, ten years. Um, just they're, they're your for ranking. I mean, a club of Roma's ilk should not be in the third pot. Now, granted, Napoli was in the third pot too, but. Um, they haven't had sort of the, the, you know, they haven't been in the Champions League as long as Roma have. As of recently, they they missed out on a year. Um, so it's uh, it, it's certainly disappointing. Um, just because I, you know, if you look at Napoli and Juve, I, I think Napoli got a far more favorable draw. Um, Juve, I mean, obviously they have Barcelona, but I don't think anybody else in their group is anywhere near their level. Sure. Um... It's the consequence of the <clears throat> rule change a couple of seasons ago with how they uh, determine the pots. They used to yep. do it strictly on coefficient exactly. all the way down, and then now they change that to the top, the holders, and then the next seven uh, league title uh, winner, the top seven league title winners, um, or in this case, since Real Madrid won the title in Spain, the top eight league title winners uh, got to be. Uh, in pot one, so that sends Spartak Moscow as a seeded team, Shakhtar Donetsk as a seeded team, um, and I want to say there was one more team in there that uh, uh, that you kind of scratched your head over as to as to what they were doing up there. But it, but nonetheless, that drove Roma into pot three, that drove Napoli into pot three, that drove Tottenham Hotspur into pot three. Uh, yeah, and and might I add, I mean, if it wasn't for Ajax going out, Roma would have been in pot four. Um, so it could have been I. I also tweeted this out. I mean, if you think about it, in theory, it could have been infinitely worse. Sure. Um, if they, if IX would have gone on, um, they, they were in pot four. So, um, I mean, we really could. I mean, this is difficult, but I mean, we really. I mean, it could have been looking at no hope for Europa League even at one point. Sure. Sure. Um, I'm going to be optimistic and say they snatched that second spot and and and. You know, I, 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 some people are going to, uh, some of the La Liga guys are going to uh, have a laugh at me, but I, I could see them just nipping Atletico Madrid. If they're going to do it, that's the team that they'll probably have to um, knock off to do it, and uh, that might mean the, uh, that might mean that match day one at the Olimpico against Atletico Madrid might be the, uh, might be the season as far as they're concerned in Europe, right? Uh, I, I would think so. Um, I mean, the way the calendar played out for them, they, they begin at home and they end at home, which I'm always a big, big fan of, um, just because things are sort of more in your hands. Um, so yeah, I mean, if they, if they drop any points at home, um, to any of these teams, I mean, they, they obviously know have zero chance. Um, I, again, I hate to be negative, but I, when I my first impressions when I saw the draw is oh my god they'll be lucky to get six points in this group just because they'll beat Kyrbog and they might not win away from from the Olympico so um, yeah yeah absolutely have to win that first match against Atletico if not it's 
you know, again, I hate to, I hate to say this just because it's so, you know, early stages uh, of the season and the, the, you know, European campaign, but it's game over. Um, you have to win that first match or else really you have no hope. Um, you'd be looking at home against Chelsea, just as difficult, um, home against Kiribati could win that. Um, and, and there's no chance I expect them to get anything at Stanford bridge, uh, more at the, what are they calling it? Atletico's stadium. Now the Wanda. Yeah. Don't see that happening either. So um, absolutely have to win at home against Atletico or it's game over. Yeah. Atletico could be like uh, Tottenham at Wembley right now in the new stadium. They might have some struggles. You never know. Yeah. Uh, hey, yeah. I'm all for that. <laughs> I'm sure you are. I'm sure you are. Richard uh, Juventus, uh, uh, as as league champions, were, were one of the seeded teams. And um, uh, they got Barcelona, which will obviously be tasty for, I mean, just look at the, uh, yeah. the quarterfinal draw. Um, uh, Olympiacos, who they're not, they don't, you know, watching them over the two legs against Rijeka in uh, uh, in the Champions League playoffs, um, you know, they don't feel the same Olympiacos team that, you know, might threaten you a little bit here, but it, that Sporting Lisbon team is very sneaky. Talk about Juve's group. Um, it's, I think it's tougher than it looks on paper. Um, yes, Barcelona is going to be a tough game. And those, you can beat Barcelona, it's, but it's going to be a tough, no, no doubt about it. The winner is going to come between Juve and Barcelona. Um, Olympiacos and Sporting Lisbon, while they're not as strong, uh, both are very difficult away. Olympiacos has a history of being very strong at home with those crazy fans. Um, and Sporting Lisbon, same thing. Um, it's going to be difficult, but winnable, definitely. I think ultimately the winner of this group is going to come down to what Juve and Barcelona do against each other. Because uh, I think uh, both are going to be able to do their thing against Olympiacos and Sporting. But it's ultimately going to come down to okay, what can Juve do at home and what can Barcelona do at home. Um, and Barcelona isn't as strong as they were in the past. If Juve has been taking any notes against these, uh, these El Clasicos, maybe they can uh, find a way to steal six points out of this. But it's, it's, it's anyone's ballgame at this point. Because like I said, Barcelona aren't the team that they were before. and They don't have Neymar now, so that's one less person you have to worry about. Um, so it's a definitely a difficult group, much much difficult than it looks on paper. But um, I still I still think Juve and Barcelona are going to come out of this group. Yep, yep. Sporting Sporting Lisbon though will give each of those teams a very hard time, in my opinion. And I'll definitely. talk about group. I'll talk about Group F here because this is going to be the highest scoring group uh, out of the eight, uh, and it might be the highest scoring group by a country mile. Are you kidding me? Napoli with Manchester City, Feyenoord, and Shakhtar Donetsk. Um, I mean, uh, the goals are going to, especially in the Napoli-Manchester City game, those games are going to be like 4-3, don't you think, guys? Yeah. Oh, I'm, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I'm i just eager to see how Sarri's football, um, uh, you know, how it gels against a team like Guardiola's. Um, right, right. I, you know, uh, Sarri gets a lot of stick for, and maybe even rightfully so, they always say, you know, you can't really win trophies with that football. They play too open. Um I mean, Europe is, or a, you know, the European competition is a completely different animal. Um, Look what Monaco did last year. They were so open. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Oh, completely agree. Completely agree. Um, I, I'll be curious to see. I'll, I'll be curious to see how they're able to respond because this is just my opinion. I don't think you're, you're going to be able to put Mertens in that number nine position. I, I just don't see it. Yeah, Milik is going to have to be more prominent this season. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, obviously, obviously having the injury, encouraging that he scored last week. Um, 
you know, to kind of get his campaign going. But yeah, I, I can see where he is certainly going in some of these European games. Um, you know, Shakhtar is a little weaker than they've been in years past, but uh, still it's dangerous to go out to the Ukraine uh, and, and, and try to grab points. It's, it's difficult. And Feyenoord, um, you know, they uh, last year in the Europa League in the group stage, uh, they gave Man United a little trouble. Uh, you know, among other teams. Uh, so it's a. I think this is a very. In the end, Napoli and Manchester City are going to qualify, but this could be a very open group. Um, and I see lots. I see lots of goals uh, in Group F. So, um, so we think Juventus at the moment. If we're going to be reasonable men here, Juventus and Napoli are going through, but Roma are going to probably be looking at the Europa League after uh, the group stage. Absolutely, definitely. Yeah. Okay. What's a, okay. is, there, is there a tiebreaker? What's a, is the tiebreaker uh, goals for? I think it's uh, uh, head to head, head to head aggregate. Because I mean, I mean, Roma's best probably chances, you know, to blow out Carabag as best they can, and then hope for a draw with these other two guys, and get get through that way. But I mean, like I said, yeah, it's... I yeah, I thought the first tiebreaker was goal difference. Yeah, so yeah. that may be the that may be the way to go. Is blow out Carabag and hope for the best from there. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah, I yeah, I mean the the odds themselves are slim. I, <laughs> yeah. I I don't even know where to start as to how. I mean, if they obviously we'll have a much better idea if they win. A, uh, I believe it's a twelfth inning play, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. Cause, yeah, because they come back. Yeah, the eleventh is Monday. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, if they win that first game, then I think that drastically that that sort of flips every, everything on its head. Yep. Um, but if they don't, then obviously everything goes uh, sort of as everybody foresaw. You know, foresaw. So I, I think that first match, you know, it might not be the you know that case in every group, but I think for Roma's situation particularly, uh, that'll determine the entire thing. Yeah, indeed, indeed. So I, we'll say I, I'm going to be the eternal optimist and say we get three Italians into the round of 16. Uh, but but. Uh, uh, but but my but, but my realism tells me it's it's Juve Napoli, um, and then Roma grabbing third in group in Group C uh, to move on to the uh, to the Europa League. Um, quick, let's quick go through the Europa League draws. Uh, Milan is headlining Group D. Uh, they drew Austria Vienna, uh, Rijeka from Croatia, and AEK Athens. Uh, Atalanta is in Group E with Lyon, Everton, and Apollon Limassol, which many argue is the group of death uh, in the Europa League. And then Lazio uh, in Group K with Nice, Zulte Vargem, and Vitesse Arnhem from the Netherlands. Zulte Vargem from Belgium. Uh, John, quick thoughts on how the Europa League draw turned out for the Italians. Um, I said this when I saw the draw. One of the Italian teams, probably Milan, are going to win the Europa League. Okay. Um, Pretty straightforward group. Pretty easy, in my opinion. Um, And what we've seen so far this season, plus they have quite a bit of more depth than maybe what some gave them credit for. Uh, In my opinion, Milan, um, actually far more over Arsenal, uh, Europa League favorites. Yep. Okay. Okay. and they get they they get four home games because uh, you know going to Athens is like another home game. Uh, <laughs> right. Memories of the memory the memories of of going to Athens for Milan are nothing but great. Nineteen ninety four and two thousand seven. So um, you know so everything's working in their advantage for them. And then when they played AEK Athens in the Champions League back in ninety five, they won they won there too. Um, I remember that game well because they needed to have that 
uh, to qualify because they had been docked two points for fan uh, trouble. Um, that was the year they were in the group with Ajax, uh, AEK Athens, and Casino Salzburg. Uh, uh, yes, yes. Yep, the, and, and in the Salzburg game, they had somebody threw a bottle on the pitch at the Salzburg goalie. So they had to pretty much win away at AEK Athens to help them to help them grab that. Two goals from Christian Panucci. Shows you my uh, shows you my knowledge. Um, <laughs> anyway, I think Atalanta are in a little tr- are in a little trouble here. Uh, yeah. It's an improved Everton team. Um, it's a Leon team that's always good. Um, you know, Lazio I think also have it pretty pretty comfy. Uh, you know, dealing with a, a Nice team that you never know if Mario Balotelli is going to care or not. Um, clearly, in the Napoli uh, game in the second leg, he didn't. Um, you know, you got and you've got Zilta Vargem and, and Vitesse who could who could be bothersome. And it's all it's all about Europa League becomes all about how the managers approach it. So um your reaction on the draws, go to at Syria sit down on Twitter or Instagram. Let's get into the headline match of the week, Roma versus Inter. Okay, well, clearly the marquee matchup of match week two, and we've got John on board to uh, uh, talk about it. Uh, big test for both teams. Uh, new manager in place for Roma, as we know, Eusebio De Francesco. They came off a, a gritty uh, 1-0 win at Atalanta, uh, taking on an inter team who uh, cruised to a 3-0 win at home against Fiorentina. Uh, it was a homecoming for Luciano Spalletti, uh, getting a chance to face his former team, Roma. Uh, and uh, his homecoming was uh, badly ruined very early on. Roma looked fantastic. It looked like they were going to dominate this game. Uh, punctuated uh, by Rijan Angolan's cross to Aiden Dzeko. Ancora Nangolan, palla sul mancino, scucchiata in mezzo per Dzeko. Controllo, destro, rete! La Roma in vantaggio, posizione regolare. Edin Dzeko porta in vantaggio i giallorossi. The Capocannonieri up and running, giving Roma an important 1-0 lead. They came close on a couple more occasions, denied by the woodwork, once by Alexander Kolarov, uh, and a second uh, off a shot from Nangalan. Halftime, 1-0. Uh, John, I, you had to be in dreamland with the performance of the first in the first half. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, just overall, just a really weird game, but... I mean, relative to the the week before when against Atalanta, they looked a little disjointed, especially in attack. Um, definitely, um, definitely an improvement, especially the first half. Um, but you know, uh, second half from you know sixty five seventy minutes on, it was um, pr- uh, pretty ugly. <laughs> pretty ugly from there. Um, you know. Big teams don't do that. They they play all 90 minutes. That's what makes Juve the absolute killer. So that's what Roma did against Atalanta. Uh, and they fell back, in my opinion, into old habits. Mm, yeah. And um, let me ask you this, uh, because I, I, I tried to reach out to you on, on Twitter as the game was unfolding. Um, and, and you had mentioned the mentality. Uh, and, and, you know, but before I, I'll ask you this question after I get through this, through what happened in the second half. Um uh, Syria sit down's pick for the Capocannonieri, Mauro Icardi, unfortunately, uh, came on board and ru- ruined Roma's day not once but twice. Palla sul mancino, tocco per Icardi che si gira e trova un grandissimo gol. Il pareggio dell'Inter, Mauro Icardi. Perisic uno contro uno con qua Jesus, palla rimorchio per Icardi che si gira ancora, ancora Mauro Icardi. 
Inter l'ha ribaltata Maurito Icardi. In a 10-minute span, Mauro Icardi put Inter in front of Roma, uh, leaving the Stadio Olimpico faithful stunned. Uh, and then it was uh, new man Matias Vicino finishing the scoring. Uh, just 10 minutes, 10 minutes um, after going down, that sealed the victory. Uh, 3-1 for Inter. Two wins for, for the season for Spalletti's men. And now, John, my question for you. Do you, you mentioned the mentality um, a little bit uh, on Twitter. I caught a couple of your tweets. I had a question for you. Um, I, is, also, is some of this also Eusebio Di Francesco, you know, getting used to his new team and having difficulty adjusting versus Luciano Spalletti? Okay, it's a new team for him too, but he knew he at least knew what to do. Well, I think there's a couple ways you could look at it. Um, you know, you can't really talk about this game without talking about the whole penalty incident. Um, Listen, I, I said, I, I tweeted this, I've reiterated it multiple times. I hate when fans, managers, players, they blame luck, whether it be good or bad, um, on the outcome of a match. It drives me nuts. It certainly plays a part. Um, but no team ever wins or loses just because of luck. Granted, I'm sure plenty of people will disagree with me. That's just my opinion. Um, I think when you hang a, a loss up to just bad luck, because I kept seeing that word, you know, and even DeFrancesco used it in his post-game press conference. He, he, he cited bad luck three times, actually. And I, I was counting because it was making me so annoyed. Um, you know, if you just chalk a loss up to bad luck, I feel like that's just, a, that's just an opportunity for you to overlook um, sort of the deficiencies that you had in that match. So I, I hate that. Um, there was, Roma certainly had bad luck. I don't think anyone would dispute that. Um, I'm still, I, I still haven't received a reasonable explanation as to why on penalty they did not go to the VAR. Um, and I, ha- I haven't read anything as to why they didn't use it. Um, I, I mean, I don't know about you guys, but I, I mean, that was a clear penalty. Um, it, it flipped the entire match on its head. Now, um, that aside, Roma didn't get the decision their way and they, they, they fell into their old habits. Um, they let their heads drop. They sort of went into their shell. Uh, and that's the old Roma. That's the stereotypical Roma. When things aren't going their way, um, they sort of curl up like whiny teenagers and they don't know how to react. That's, uh, that's just something that we've seen from them for years and years and years. And that's something that absolutely has to get fixed. Uh, Juve don't do that. Napoli don't do that. Um, Roma do do that. And that is their biggest problem. If they would have been playing the same way they were playing um, when they didn't get that penalty decision, they probably win that game two or three to nothing. Um, Instead, they let their heads drop. Um, They become like these whiny, insolent teenagers. They they get moody. They don't know how to react. Oh, it didn't go my way. Um, And and they just they bottle it. They lose it. and it's been that way for years and years and years. And I, there's almost no way to explain it. It's just, it, you know, it's inexcusable, really. I mean, I don't think anybody would dispute the first 65, 70 minutes who was better in that match. I mean, it was, it was Roma. They were dominating them. Um, I agree. I, you know what? I mean, actually, can I, can I, I'm going to counter here. Um, I, actually saw it, I actually saw it differently um, as a neutral. In the first half, 
despite Roma having all these opportunities, I actually thought Inter carried majority of the play. And then in the second half, I actually thought Roma was actually the better team, minus the clinical finishes by, by Inter. I thought, I mean, Icardi is he's going to have a fantastic season. I mean, anything he touches goes in the net now. Um, and, I, and I thought Inter, while they had, they had some opportunities in the second half, they were just more clinical than Juve. Um, and yeah, I don't want to say this is a luck thing because I, I don't want to do that. And I and I, I did say that VAR call, and it's like I said, it's a toss up. I mean, it it could be a, it could be a penalty. I've seen a called penalty before. Um, so my question to you is like, where did Roma go from here? I mean, that's uh, it's not that's what the first time Inter has won at at Roma since what 1998 or something like that. Or yeah, something, it's been a long crazy. time. Yeah, it's been crazy. So where do they go from here? I mean, you lose at home. Yeah, to, to a well, good team, you know. <clears throat> Yeah, I see. Like the whole penalty decision aside, um, my whole issue is: isn't the VAR though? Aren't we supposed to go to it just to avoid controversy? VAR is actually making more controversy this season. It's terrible. Well, by them not going to it, I mean, (laughs) I mean, they can't. I mean, it's either you go to it, you know, one fell swoop across the league, or you don't. I, I mean, in every other match this season I've watched, we've seen the VAR used. And then Roma, I, 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 I just need I, I, I need the Italian uh, referees association. I, I need them to come out with some sort of comment because it, it makes no sense. It literally makes no sense. Um, say, sorry, but, I went for a beer or something, you know? No, I yeah, <laughs> I, I would ask them, but they have me blocked on Twitter. Um, they, uh, it, it just. You know, you know what you were saying about the play. Yeah, I think you know Inter did do very well. Um, you know, I, I just feel like though that second goal, if you're awarded that penalty, you score it. Yeah. Um, that just cha- it just changes everything. It does. It does. Um, absolutely, absolutely. But I mean, that's not to. Um, yeah, you know, that's not to excuse Roma's defending. Um, no, no. You know, uh, Juan Jesus was horrible. Uh, Manolas was horrible. Uh, Fazio wasn't as bad, um, so I'll, I'll give him credit. Colaro was fantastic, um, in my opinion, one of the best purchases so far this window for only five million euro. Um, but they have a lot of work to do. Um, you know, we can't. This loss it, it hurts, um, but we saw last season Roma um, they beat Milan and they beat Inter away from home. So let's. Um, I mean, I saw some people say, saying the season was over. It, it's the second match. Um, let's just let's just calm down. Um, there's three points behind the top of the table. Let, let's relax. Um, it hurt, but you know, I, I tweeted this out too. You know, I just the way Di Francesco plays, they're gonna need time. Um, they're gonna need time to mesh. Um, his football is way different than Spalletti. Um, Granted, I, I don't like it, but it is what it is. Um, and, and let's face it, they have a couple more players who are going to be coming in this week. Um, and I'm actually, usually I hate the international break, but it could not have come at a better time. Um, so we're just going to have to see. I um, Sheik's going to come tomorrow. It's going to be official. I, I don't see him as a right winger, so maybe this is an opportunity for Di Francesco to adjust his tactics. That's what I'm hoping. Um, just the way they look, they between attack uh, between midfield to attack, they look very very disjointed. Um, yeah, I, I think something has to change. It's not 
it, it looks very forced when they try and get into the final third. It looks like they labor to get into the final third. Um, so I think something has to change. Um, what DeFrancesco does, obviously, we'll see. Um, but they they do have work to do. Um, but just on paper, though, I I mean, again, I'm going to sound like a bit of Roma fan, but I still think on paper they're better than Inter, um, particularly in the midfield. Um, I, I just think, you know, that midfield Roma have, that, that can carry them um, – that could carry them really, really far. So hopefully um, they're able to get it figured out. Their their schedule does not get any easier. They play away at Sampdoria, um, then they have the Champions League. So it doesn't get any easier. Um, but I mean, they're just going to have to get through it because this is um, this is a new team. It's a new dynamic. Um, this is sort of a whole new cycle for Roma. Um, this is sort of like when the Americans first took over. They had a bunch of changes uh, player-wise, and that's what's happening now. Uh, they're just going to have to learn to you know, mesh with each other and get over it. Um, and, and let's face it, too. I mean, the, the, the injuries did not help at all. I mean, the injuries mm. with Roma are absolutely absurd right now. Um, but, but we'll see. A couple weeks, um, the Florenzi back, which is very, very encouraging. He's... 50 times a player Bruno Perez is. Um, and then in another two weeks, we'll have Carlos back. So the, these next 10 to 14 days, in my opinion, um, critically, critically, critically important for their growth. Critically important. Last one, last one for me, John, and then we'll give you a chance to, uh, uh, to give a plug on uh, what you're up to at Roma press and some of the other things that you're into. Daniele De Rossi. Um, you talk oh. about that. You talk about oh. that midfield. Um, yeah. Are you get, is is it and, the and, bane and of my we, existence? You're well, going like that, there. Well, I'm go, I'm going to go there because we had this with Francesco Totti last season, and this is another one of these bandieri um, of Roma. Is it passing him by, and is it time to maybe think about taking the toy away from him? One thousand percent, yes. Like no hesitation. Um, I've made. So many enemies over my my stance on this. Um, I said he should have left in 2012 to the 20, 2013. Should have left after that season. Should have gone to Manchester United. Should have been sold. Um, that was the beginning of the end. I, and he was in his late 20s when that was the case. Yeah. He. Um, and again, I, I'm sort of dating myself here just because I'm able to remember it so clearly. But... Even the season where uh, that, uh, Ranieri was here, they lost the, the, the Scudetto because of the, the goal against Sampdoria um, in 2009-2010. I mean, Ranieri benched him at multiple points in that season. I mean, he was yeah. even horrible back then. Um, if you look in the last seven, yeah, we'll, we'll call it seven years. Um, in those seven years, uh, he's had maybe two good seasons, if that. It's not three. Um, he was pretty good when Luis Enrique was there, um, and he was fairly decent in Rudy Garcia's first season. Beyond that, he's been absolutely horrible. Um, I was a big fan when they brought in Maxime uh, Gonalons. Um, they brought him in for $5 million. He's been worse, um, which I didn't think was possible, but he is absolutely a problem. 
Um, it's almost like an enigma because I, I feel like they're going to go through this same thing with him like they did to Tati, and we're just going to waddle around and just sort of be content with his presence there, even though he's not delivering. Mm. Um, I, I was a huge advocate of buying Torreira from Sampdoria. Um, perfect replacement, 10 times the player. Um, I mean, anyone who watched Dodossi the other night, I, I just I, I, I don't know how in the world you can defend him. Um, <laughs> be so slow. Constantly caught out of position. Um, yeah, I thought I thought he was chasing shadows. Yeah, his distribution, his ball distribution was horrific. One of the worst matches. That was one of his worst matches I've seen in the last three to five years, and he has had a lot of bad performances, a lot. Um, so to see him, and honestly, I, I think it's kind of sad. I, I mean, he was touted as this legend. The the next, uh, you know, the. Yeah, I mean, obviously, Capitano Futuro, um, and just just see him be so so poor. It's just uh, you just feel bad for him. Uh, it's yeah. just he's a huge problem, huge huge problem. Um, and I, you're not going to get a lot of fans who say that. Just like you won't get a lot of fans who said Totti was a problem by playing him week in week out. You just won't. It's the case. It's unfortunate, but he's a huge problem. He's he's not up to it anymore. Um, mm. And uh, this is just my conspiracy theory. I think a huge part of that has to do with him constantly, for some reason, I have no clue why, accepting calls from the Azuri. Um, I, I think he's just been, you know, just run into the ground. And this is what we got. We've got a, we've got a used Fiat, which is what that Aussie is. He's, it's sad because he used to be so, so, so good in his mid twenties in the late two thousands. Um, but he's, he's done. And I hate to say that, but he's a bench player at best. Yeah. I'm concerned now because I think he's going to be in the Italy team when they play Spain. Uh, oh, he, he absolutely will. And I, I mean, I don't think he should. I, he's, he's, jeopardized his Roma career to play a lot of pointless friendlies with the Azuri, which I'll never, I'll never blame anybody for that, but that's just, that's what it is. He, yeah. I mean, he accepts calls for friendly matches in the middle of February. Like, well, there's no point for that. There's no need for that. Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. Well, I mean, uh, excellent insight into Roma and, and, and where they're at and what we see from them. And, uh, you know, going forward, uh, John, we certainly appreciate it appreciate some of your time uh why don't you tell our listeners where they can find you on twitter they're a lot nicer than uh some of the <laughs> other guys that you run into trust me um and then uh you know uh take a minute here to plug uh some of the things you got going on absolutely thank you yeah so uh my personal twitter is my last name solano underscore five six um and then for the website roma press it's uh at as roma press um, and then really all we got going on is a podcast, um, you know, over the next few days, it's a big day. Um, uh, Roma, they're going to wrap up shit. Everyone's saying they won't, but, um, just people I've talked to at the club, um, it's going to happen. It's going to, it's going to go down as their most expensive, uh, purchase in their history, which for some reason seems to really go under the radar. Um, but we'll, we'll see. I think he's a great player. I don't think he's what they need right now, but I, when you spend that much money, you absolutely have to back him. So uh, I'm excited. We'll we'll see what happens at the end of the you know these last few days of the window are going to be really really important for Roma. 
a very nice get and some uh, some certainly some uh, diversity now, uh, you know, in that attack that uh, Di Francesco is going to be putting together, uh, you know, in the weeks to come for Roma. Um, but no, excellent stuff, uh, John. We can't thank you enough for a little of your time. Uh, we thank uh, you, we look, yeah. Let's uh, let's have you on again. Absolutely, looking forward to it. Thanks, guys. Uh, all right. Any reaction to uh, what you heard from John about Roma? Go to at Syria sit down on Twitter uh, or Instagram and uh, give us your thoughts. Let's move on to the rest of the week to slate. All right. Uh, Richard and I are going to uh, rotate uh, uh, the recaps here uh, this time instead of having me babble throughout the whole thing because uh uh you know i think uh uh that just works that just might work a little bit better so richard uh lead us off with what happened between napoli and atalanta all right this matchup pitted last season's number three team napoli versus number four team atalanta atalanta had a true test on their hands as they went to the san paulo to face one of the most entertaining squads in europe uh but it was atalanta who got on the scoreboard first off a headed goal by brian cristante from a corner kick in the 15th minute. Napoli would get their goal-scoring swagger back in the second half and in a big way. Peter Zielinski scored an early candidate for goal of the season with a play off his chest and a sensational volley to the top corner. Off a broken play from a corner kick, Zielinski equalized for the Partenope. And just five minutes later, in the 61st minute, Dries Mertens gave Napoli a lead they would not give back. Marco Rogue would also score Napoli's third goal, and this is actually his first Serie A goal. Um, Napoli would hold on to the lead, and they would go on to win 3-1. Uh, this game was... Uh, Pretty amazing to see how uh, Napoli could just turn it on on a switch like that, no, Frank? I mean, it's Napoli. I mean, you knew it was coming, even with Atalanta getting the lead, uh, you know, into halftime. Um, you know, to be on, to be a fly on the wall in Napoli's dressing room to uh, <laughs> to hear what Sonny said, because you know, just uh, going to Twitter and some of the Napoli guys, they were uh, they were losing their minds over the performance for sure. Um, you know, but, uh, you know, Zielinski and Zielinski and Marco Rog, two of the younger guys that are kind of rotation players. When you, yeah. when you look at how Napoli really setting up, popping up for the goals, that just scares you, uh, players that are capable of finishing in this team. Um, and then of course, Dries Mertens, who, um, you know, ran, uh, Aiden Jekyll all the way for Cabo Khan and Yeti last season, popping up for another one. Um, there's just, they're just loaded with talent. And as for Atalanta, it's, you know, Roma home, Napoli away to be on zero points for the first two games. Yeah. Um, there's, no, there's, there's no shame in that. I mean, this is still a good Atalanta team. No, when Atalanta um, scored, did you? I, I had a glimmer of hope, like, oh my gosh, they came to play today. This is going to be a decent result for them. And then they were brought back to real life. Did, were you thinking the same thing, or did you feel no worries that Napoli was going to come back and just batter them? I had a feeling Napoli was going to try to still get something out of it, or was yeah. going to end up getting something out of it. I, um, it's it the San Paolo is almost as much a fortress as, yeah. as the Jake. And uh, you know, that team and all of their resources and what they're fit to do going forward, you can only you, you can only keep them out for so long. Um, you know, very rarely are they kept out of goal and uh 
Atalanta, as good as they are, especially defensively and as organized as they can be under Gasparini, we, you know, um, just uh, uh, really hard to do against a team like this. And, and, you know, we've just seen Napoli, when, when they turn it on, they're as good as anybody in Europe. Uh, I'm not afraid to say that. So. I think it's uh, I think it's fair to say that Dries Mertens was the man of the match. Uh, I think his passing rating was over eighty percent. Uh, he had five dribbles, three shots, a tackle, a block shot, an assist, and a goal. So overall, good, great performance by him. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I I uh, certainly uh, certainly will be with you on that one. Um, you know, two games uh, played, two six points for Napoli, uh, doing it their way too with six goals. Uh, yeah. So. Uh, no, no sign of that attack slowing down anytime soon. The only thing that can slow them down is the international break. So, um, just like all of these teams. So, you know, m- moving on, we also had Fiorentina uh, at home against Sampdoria. Uh, really, a, a an interesting game. Kind of a make or break for Fiorentina. How would they respond after uh, the drubbing they took at the San Siro last weekend against uh, against Inter? Uh, Sampdoria. Uh, kind of scra- having to scratch and claw against a hungry uh, promoted side in Benevento to get a 2-1 win. Um, and it was uh, Gianluca Caprari opening his account for Sampdoria in the 32nd minute. Uh, and then uh, three minutes later, that old man again popped up. Quagliarella! Portiere da una parte, palla dall'altra, il raddoppio della Samp al 35esimo con Fabio Quagliarella. Fabio Quagliarella doubling the lead for Sampdoria. Milan Badle scoring for La Viola in the loss. <clears throat> Bigger surprise to you, Richard. Sampdoria on six points after two games or Fiorentina on zero points after two games? Oh, man. Um, bigger surprise. I'm going to go with Sampdoria only because I kind of expected Fiorentina to be not as good this season with all their departures. So to see Sampdoria doing what people expect them to do, well, at least last season, um, they're, they're, with all this rumors circulating about players leaving, they're still playing. I mean, they're being led by Qualiarella. Um, it's it's great to see. Uh, hopefully, they can keep this kind of momentum going out throughout the season because they're a tough team on paper. And, you know, when the games like this is pro- that shows you why uh, people think of them so highly. Um, so, it's great to see that they're to beat Fiorentina. Fiorentina, like, I, I wasn't expecting them to get zero points so far, but... I did. I did see them going have a little bit of a down season. So um, definitely, Sampdoria is more of the surprise for me. How about you? Um, you know, I, I, I'll, I, that's a tough question, isn't it? Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, maybe it shouldn't surprise you that Sampdoria can get a full six points from right, Benevento right. home and a retooled Fiorentina away. So I will go with Fiorentina um, on the on the uh, zero on the O four in the uh, first two games, even with. All of the retooling, you would hope that through these, you know, first couple of games, that <clears throat> excuse me, um, that they would have a point or you know a point or you know maybe two draws or something like that, something that kind of gives them a little bit of a pulse here heading into this break under Stefano Pioli, uh, you know. But they they statistically, oh, they were beaten three 0 by Inter. They weren't that inferior to them. Um, and then here, uh, they controlled the game a little bit more against Sampdoria. They had more possession. They had more shots and shots on goal. Um, you know, so it, this is kind of the progression that we were expecting from Fiorentina. For them to be at zero points is troubling. Uh, but I'm going to stick to what I've been saying about them. Wait till, we, wait till January with this team. That's when you're going to see what they're – that's when you're going to see them playing at their best. Um, you know, so 
Uh, but how about Quagliarella? Uh, the old man wants to want to hang in there for the uh, Capocani here. At least early on, he's in third on three goals. He's hanging in there. He's trying to show these young guys how to do it. It's great. Mm-hmm. You got the next one? I do. So we had Genoa hosting Juventus. Now, both you and I were telling everybody, don't be so sure that Juve is going to walk all over Genoa. Genoa are a difficult team at home, and they're a pretty decent team. Um, and within the first seven minutes, it was 2 nothing Genoa. It was an own goal by Pjanic on a, on a bad bounce, and then Gal- uh, Andre Galabinov on a penalty kick gives Genoa the 2 nothing lead at home, and everyone's like, whoa, here we go. Same, same results as last year. Uh, and then Paolo Dybala and his Dybala mass took over. Higuain for Pjanic, Dybala and the pala in rete. The goal of the Juventus al the 14th minute, di mezza lo svantaggio Paolo Dybala. Va Dybala e la palla in rete, il pareggio della Juventus. Dybala prova il sinistro e la palla in rete. Il gol del 4-2, il gol del 4-2 è tripletta per Paolo Dybala. Paolo Dybala ended up with a tripletta, a hat-trick if you will, uh, to give the Juventus a commanding lead and then also, Juan Cuadrado also scored for Juventus to, to seal the 4-2 victory. Frank, it looks like uh, Dybala's taking very well to this number 10 jersey, huh? Yeah, indeed. Um, you know, one of the things that we were critical of Dybala uh, late on in last season, and you even alluded to it in the uh, preview, um, there was a glaring uh, lack of goals uh, and maybe even assists from Paulo Dybala in a way and in neutral fixtures. Um, you know, a lot of his work was done at the J. Uh, I think, what was it, last season, 18 goals. And 15 of them were scored at home, yeah. uh, you know, somewhere, you know, without looking at it, without without staring at it air on a screen or anything like that. Um, so th- that is an encouraging step uh, when you have a young player that uh, is is on the way to becoming world class in those games where you're going to play against teams that are going to really, you know, they're def- they're at home, they're defending their turf, they're denying the space. What are you going to do about it? Um that's only going to encourage Juventus fans at this point to see that he's stepping up, he's taking, and I don't know if it's necessarily about wearing number 10. It, you know, it's nice. Um, right. It's obviously a big honor for him, but this is the step. Uh, this is, these are the steps that you take uh, on the way to becoming a world-class player. Um, and with each game and with each opportunity, Paulo Dybala is getting closer and closer and closer to that status. Um, you know, I, uh, are you uh, the, the the quick start from Genoa? Is that uh, is that a concern with this Juve de, Juve defense? I mean, it's, it's got to be two goals within in a ten minute, in less than ten minute span. Um, and it's Genoa. It's not like you're playing Napoli. It's not like you're playing Roma or Inter. It's Genoa. Last year they were nearly relegated. So that's got to be that's got to be concerning. Um, yes, Genoa are a good team at home, but it's Genoa. Um, so anytime a team like that can score two goals on you that quickly. It's got to be concerning. Um, they did write the ship afterwards, but I mean, if this was a Napoli team, for instance, I'm not so sure they would be able to come back after two goals down. You know, so they need a you know Allegri's gonna have to get the guys going from right off the start, and not you know these slow starts that Allegri's had in the past with other teams. Um, he can't do this with Juventus because there are other hungry teams this season that will uh will make will finish them off, and not let them uh, continue their win streak. And. Uh... Uh, Juve Twitter, some of them pretty uh, rough on Sami Kadira, another one of these veteran yeah. midfielders like we're talking about De Rossi. It's 
starting to look like it's passing him by a little bit too. No, I still he's got. I think he's got. I think he still has a lot more in him than than the Rossi does. Uh, Kadira yeah. was fantastic last season, so I don't think it'll be that drastic of a drop off this season. If it does, then that's something worrying because it's got to be an injury or something because he was pretty pretty fantastic last year. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, moving on, uh, Benevento nil, Bologna one, and uh, a beauty of a winner from Godfrey Donza. Donza rientra. Donza. Super goal, Donza. Richard, who the hell is Godfrey Donza? Ah, uh, he's a good young, uh, good young player for Bologna. He's been there for a while, actually. Uh, I thought years ago that he was going to be picked up by a bigger club, and for some reason he just never left Bologna. Now he's, uh, he continues to stay there. I mean, if he keeps he keeps scoring goals like this, he's going to be picked up by a bigger club. Uh, but he he's a good talent. I mean, he's like he's he's no different from maybe like Duncan or some of these other younger guys um, trying to make a name for themselves on these smaller clubs. Um, he, I guess just being a Bologna, you know, people just pass him up. I don't know. I don't really know why he's been there for so long. Cause he, he's a decent player and he has been for a long time. Uh, but it's good to see that he's, he, he's got a goal, uh, a goal like that too, to get the winner. Um, again, you're Bologna. So if, if he can get, if he can get like maybe five more of those, he can, uh, ply his trade somewhere else, hopefully. But, uh, you, you need to get out of that trap that is Bologna. <laughs> and, if Benevento had any hopes of surviving, this was a game they had to grab something from and Definitely. just uh, overall listless from them here uh, in this uh, uh, in this game. Uh, you know, possession was relatively even. I mean, just it was a balanced game overall uh, yeah. when, you, you know, when you really look at it. And, but uh, when you have a balanced game, try to get a point. Uh, you know, when you have a one nil lead, uh, you know, away at a place like Sampdoria, try to at least get a point out of it. You've got to get points anywhere you can if you're going to survive this thing. So um, it's uh, it just continues to be symbolic that this is just going to be a long road uh, to hoe here for uh, for Benevento. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's it, it, games like this is where they need to get some points. Even a point would do something and getting zero does not help what bit one bit. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. All right, take it away on the next one. All right, Torino 3, Sassuolo 0, with an early, another early candidate for goal of the season. Cross di De Silvestri. Prova la rovesciata, il gol bellissimo di Belotti, che sblocca il match con un'invenzione pazzesca, il primo canto del Gallo in questa stagione, e il Torino è avanti. Andrea Belotti with a sensational side volley. Um, the Twitter sphere went mad when he scored this goal. All I saw is Belotti's name everywhere. People who didn't even watch soccer were like, hey, did you see that Belotti goal? Oh, my goodness. Um, he wasn't the only one to score. Adam Lajic got the second goal for Torino. And then Belotti, the man we said before, scored, had a beautiful assist to Joel Obi uh, to give uh, Torino the 3-0 three, three win. Man of the match was definitely Andrea Belotti with the goal and assist. Uh, did you catch that a goal by him? That's the goal of the season. I think every other goal after that's just we're just playing out the stretch. There's yeah. there's no there's nothing's beating that. That was fantastic. That was sick. Um, you know, having to do that, you know, behind a defender, uh, you know, you, you, nobody realizes how perfect your technique has to be um, on on a, on a flying just a flying side volley where I think he was sideways yep. and he was almost shoulder height uh, of the defender that was next to him. Um, and you've got to catch that ball perfectly. 
Um, you know, just a, just a phenomenal goal. I, I actually texted the video of the goal to my brother and, and his brother-in-law. Um, and my brother texts back, well, I can do that. And his brother, <laughs> his brother-in-law says, you can't even get your legs that high climbing up a lap. So that just goes to show you. Um, but, uh, I've got to put up with them from time to time. Hi, Rob. Hi, Bob. If you even listen to this. Um, but anyway, um, it, 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 there's, there's, uh, you can, I'm not going to be wowed. It's, it's one of those, it's, it's like the South Park episode where you remember one years and years ago where they had the Thompsons where they had butts for faces and Cartman, <laughs> yeah. Cartman, Cartman couldn't laugh anymore because he said he just saw something so funny. He may never, he's never going to laugh again. Well, <laughs> that goal was so spectacular that no other goal the rest of the season is going to wow me. I'm going to just say that right now. You know, yeah. you're going to say, you you're, we're right. going to do. We're going to do future one, future pods here. How about that goal by this? And I say, big deal. It's not what Pilate did. So, um, you know, flipping that, though, uh, you know, two games played for um, uh, for Torino and uh, only one goal conceded. Uh, yeah. So, uh, marked, marked improvement after two games. What a difference Salvatore Sirigu makes. And... Uh, uh, in Kolu, and uh, for those of us keeping it, keep, for those of you that want to keep score by comparison, Joe Hart conceded another three goals, um, <laughs> over, and to Newcastle over the weekend. Yeah. So you and you and ten of your friends can put a team together and score on Joe Hart these days. So, um, so you know, defending looking better for Torino. Andrea Bellotti back uh, among the goals, which is obviously very very encouraging. Sassuolo. Yeah. Clearly, clearly, we expected more at this point. Two games, no point. Two games, one point, no goals. With that, with that trio in attack, it's it's got to be concerning. It's mind-boggling. I mean, you look at that. The three players there the, individually, they can they score so many goals. Put them together, they they can't find you know left hand from the right hand. What it doesn't make any sense. No, I'm it doesn't. I'm baffled. I'm baffled. And the teams they play, they haven't been playing Juventus and you know Napoli. They've been playing it was a Genoa last week and Torino this week. Both teams who conceded a lot of goals last year. So mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I I'm starting to get worried now. You know, it's only two games in. You know, calm down. But uh, they need to write this ship quickly. I guess the break came at the perfect time for them. International break that is. Nineteen shots in this game, two on target. Uh, <laughs> that's just not going to get it done. So. Right. Uh, moving on to what's been what you might arguably say was the most entertaining match of the weekend. Uh, welcome to Spal, Marco Borriello. Borriello, il sinistro, ancora Borriello, il destro, rete! La spallata di Ferrara e di Marco Borriello. Everywhere he goes, he scores, he scores goals, right, Richard? Any small town club, definitely. <laughs> yeah, any small town club, yes, yes. Good that you point that out. Yeah, he's a fantastic player. I mean, God, mm-hmm. that was the, when I saw that signing, that's when I, I immediately changed my pick from uh, Benevento saying up to Spall because he's that he's that he can put 15 goals easily, and yeah. I mean it shows you first game with Spall and he scores. Yep, indeed. Manuel Lazzari doubled the lead for the hosts and all was looking pretty, but Udinese marked back with goals from Brian Nightink and a penalty from Cyril Turo. Uh, and Spall had seemingly dropped a couple of points to Udinese until this happened. Cirizzo, nell'area, Rizzo a zero, rete! La spallata di Ferrara esplode in mazza! Rizzo, ma che gol! A stoppage time goal from Luca Rizzo giving Spall all three points and their first Serie A win in nearly 50 years. 
Uh, man of the match, uh, Bordiello. Richard, you have a you have a fun fact about this? Well, about Bordiello, um, he actually becomes the second player to score for twelve different teams in Syria after Nicola Amoroso. You know that name? So Bordiello gets around. <laughs> right, that rings a bell. Yeah. And actually, yep. you know, this win for Spal uh, is their first win since April 28th, 1968. Well, yeah, that's a uh, long time. That's that's uh, pretty incredible. You weren't um, even born then, huh? Nope, nope, I was not born then. <laughs> uh, so uh, Spal's, uh, Spal's Serie A win drought outlived, uh, has, has, has lived, lived longer than me. Now I have a chance to outlive it. So, uh, <laughs> um... Udinese, uh, again, uh, issues with the defense, and it's going to probably be like this for a little while until that group can come together a little. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a couple of the departures that they've had are, are definitely affecting them. I mean, this is this has looked a good team. I mean, Cyril Tarot is a fantastic player. Um, they they started out slow against Spal, and but they finally got a little bit. You know, they, they write the ship up a little bit. Uh, the ship a little bit. Part of my French. Um, but they, they, they can't seem to put a whole 90 minutes in together. Um, and they need to get, they can't keep this up too much longer because, uh, they're going to be out of manager if they keep up this, uh, not finding ways to win or get points. Um, but I still think I still holding out that Udinese are going to be pulling this together. I think they're definitely mid table team if they can get their stuff together. Uh, it, you were right. A, that you you were right the first time. Right the shit. You were right. I mean, it's, it's, I mean they they they've lost to uh, they lost at home to Kievo and now they've lost away to Spal. I mean, what else do you say about them? Yeah, they got to figure out how to write the shit. Yeah. So, um, it's true. So I you were right. So, um, so anyway, uh, moving all on. Right. What do we got? What do we got next? All right, Kievo one, Lazio two. Now you can't talk Lazio without mentioning this man. Palla sul secondo palo non arriva, Sorrentino e c'è il vantaggio della Lazio con Ciro Immobile che si sblocca e trova il primo gol in campionato. Ciro Immobile scores Lazio's first goal of the season. Well, we're two games in and this is our first goal. Jeez. Manuel Pucciarelli equalized for Chievo just before halftime. And then Sergei Milinkovic Savic. Lascia Milinkovic, prende la mira al destro! Sergei Milinkovic-Savic, Chievo 1, Lazio 2, all'improvviso, a due dalla fine, Milinkovic! Left it late in the 89th minute to be exact, as Lazio get the much-needed W. Oh, talk about leaving it late, 89th minute, Lazio, uh... They, they a lot of people in uh, in the Rome in Rome are uh, scratching their heads. They're probably having near heart attacks today, uh, watching Lazio nearly draw another game. At least they got a goal this time, two goals in fact. So, and I'm I, I must commend you that you got through that uh, recap without crying for Kievo. Um, you know, I I thought for sure your 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 second favorite team losing, and you would have a hard time getting through that recap, but. Only uh, if Bobby English or Policier had scored, neither did, so I'm not worried about it. Okay, all right, so. So it's it's more of an angry uh, recap given by you then. That's so, right. but but anyway, no. Sergey Milinkovic Savage is acquitting himself quite nicely uh, and making Lazio fans at least forget about Lucas Bilia uh, for a little while. Uh, you know, and obviously Chiro Immobile scoring is important because he was their leading scorer last season. But this was a balanced game. Um, you know, when you take a look at it from a yeah. statistical 
perspective, they, they, they shared the possession pretty much. They shared the shots, uh, you know, and in the end, Lazio found a way to win. That, that, that could speak to, and I don't necessarily think that's going to speak to Lazio being a team that's going to struggle um, as much as I think Kievo might be a little better than we think. Uh, you know, there's, it's hard to tell from two match weeks, but when you, um, when you see them hanging in there, they, they found the resources to beat Udinese last week, this week they – they hang in there with Kievo. Manuel Pucciarelli seems like he's going to be a nice get. Gets on the score sheet for them. And uh, uh, but again, coming back to Milinkovic Savic, uh, really, fill, you know, really doing a nice job filling the void. You know, you lose a player like Lucas Belia, Kate Baldi is on the way out. Uh, he seems to be assuming a larger workload. What do you think of? Oh, he's a fantastic young kid. Was he only like 21 years old? Uh, he seems much more mature past his, you know, his age. Um, he's got good skills. He obviously can finish with that goal. Um, Lazio have a fantastic talent. The question is, how long is he going to stay at Lazio? Um, if they, if not, Lazio has a good season, maybe one more season they'll keep him. But uh, I see bigger clubs around the world going to start coming after this guy. Uh, he is that good. Mm-hmm. I, I, I definitely agree with that. I mean, there was already a link to Juventus for next season. Right. Um, so uh, time will tell on that one. Uh, or, or if he applies his trade elsewhere. So, <clears throat> um, so yeah, uh, good for Lazio to get the uh, the three points. They're on four, not not horrible. Uh, you know, maybe the uh, most diehard of Lazio fans should expect six points. Spall home, Kiev away. Uh, you know, with some of these other teams on six, but take the four points. You haven't lost yet. Things seem to be going all right without um, uh, without. Uh, uh, Bilia without Keita Balde, who looks like, you know, they, they continue to not use him. He looks on the way out. Uh, so, um, you know, they're, they're hanging in there. And under Inzaghi, it looks like this thing is, is at least somewhat stable. So, uh, but again, hard to tell from just two games. And, you know, got to wait to see that real dip in form to see how they react. Uh, you know, moving on, uh, let's just get through this one real fast, Richard. So Tony nil, Hellas Verona nil. And, uh, uh, you know, a... Early relegation six-pointer. If there's ever one in August, it was this. And, uh, you know, a disappointing game. Uh, neither, neither team interested in scoring. Both teams fully interested in just saying, let's just take a point and move on. Yeah, it was a uh, – anyone who paid to go to this game, I felt bad for you guys. Um, you know, Hellas Verona, this is their game to win. You know, they, I, we both think that they're a team that can stay in Serie A with the talent that they have and put up a stinker like this against Crotone. Um, man, maybe Crotone just put up that good of a fight. I don't know, but it's such a poor game to watch, especially after all the goals we saw this weekend and then this dull 0-0 game. Um, yeah, I'm glad I didn't pay to watch that game. Yeah. Uh, and uh, what did we have? We had uh, 32 goals this week yeah. uh, here in match week two. So <clears throat> back in that nice, lofty average uh, that we had at the end of the game. We were a little light on the first week, but uh, nice to see the numbers uh, popping up. So uh, uh, 32 goals. Uh, clearly, we agree that, well, we got one more game. What am I getting ahead of myself? We've got one more game to go through. How, how, can, I be, how can I be so stupid? It's the meds, Richard. It's the meds. <laughs> so, um, it was Milan and Cagliari. Uh, this will round out our uh, match recap. And to quote uh, our friend Laura Bradburn, Milan by 12 new players this summer. And it's a Primavera player that's taking all the headlines. Punta Capuano, Suso la mette sul sinistro, parte il cross in mezzo per Cudrone! 
Ancora Patrick Cutrone, Milan 1, Cagliari 0. Patrick, Patrick Cutrone, once again, uh, scoring for the Rossoneri on a uh, delightful ball in from Suzo. Uh, keeping Andre Silva and Nikola Kalinic, newly acquired Nikola Kalinic on the bench. But to Cagliari's credit, they played well in this game. Uh, created a lot of chances. Had an, had an appeal for a penalty uh, in the first half where uh, they refused to go to VAR. Uh, continued to get at it. And then some sloppy play on a Milan goal kick allowed them to pounce. And it was Joao Pedro. That equaled the game at 1-1. And then all of a sudden, nervous moments for the Rossoneri and their fans uh, seeing their newly revamped team for the first time in Serie A at home. Uh, but uh, never fear, Suso's here. Andare Suso con il mancino a giro! E di nuovo avanti il Milan! Minuto 25, ha segnato Suso! Milan 2, Cagliari 1! That free kick, giving Milan all three points. Uh, ugly three points, but uh, you build a campaign uh, with ugly points, don't you, Richard? Yeah, I mean, that's what Juve's done for the last six years. Uh, they don't always win pretty. They, they, won, they won a lot of ugly games, and... If you want to, you know, make your claim at being the Scudetto winner or in the mix, you're going to have to win those ugly games. Not every game is going to be easy. So the fact, you know, we were talking about this before, you know, in the seasons past, a game like this, they would they would draw or they would lose. And they found a way to win. Um, some of that goes to Montella. Some of that goes to the, you know, the newly acquired players and the motivation that they're able to apply. Um, it's It's a good win. It's a sloppy win, it's an ugly win, definitely, but it's a good win because um, you want to keep pace with the with the with the other Milan team that's in the mix, and you know Juventus and Napoli and Roma. So ultimately, good three points. I mean, this is this is exactly what we thought Milan were going to be here early on. Yep. Uh, no matter how comfy the schedule was, there were still going to be issues. Um, and uh, this is a team that's going to find find ways to win, you know to win uh, until they got everybody on the same page. Um, some disappointing performances from them in this game. I expect Hakan Chalanoglu to be better than this. Um, uh, you know, I expect uh, you know Fabio Barini. I think will be a rotation player. Yet I still think he can play better than he played. Um, you know, I thought Montalivo was. Pretty good in the first half, but then he went back to being old Montalivo in the second half. Um, you know, and I, I think that, uh, you know, I think that there were some struggles, uh, you know, in some other areas of the pitch. I thought that there were issues again with, uh, uh, I thought Frank Cassie struggled today uh, by compared, you know, compared to how he played last week. Um, and again, I think, you know, and not just because of the set piece and not because of the assist, but uh, again, Sousa was, Sousa was the best player on the pitch. Yeah, um, yeah. you know, in the win, uh, you know, you could probably make the argument for Donnarumma to making a couple of key saves, uh, to preserve the three points as well. Now flip it over to Cagliari, certainly a much more improved performance for them. Certainly an inspired yes. performance from them. And how about young man Barella? Yeah, he is. He's a wonder. He's a talent right there. That's a talent. Good player. Yeah. And, uh, you wonder how safe this two, one lead would have been had Joao Pedro not had to go off. Uh, I thought that he was really making things run for the Sardinians. He had a great chance in the first half that he came close to finishing. Uh, Sal had a, uh, had a ball off the post. Mm -hmm. Uh, okay. You know, bad news is Cagliari zero points. Good news for Cagliari. They were at Juventus and at Milan. 
Okay, so two of their two of their clearly toughest fixtures out of the way. Juventus game played off the park. Milan game certainly played a lot better. Can take some encouragement. Do you feel safe about Cagliari here, uh, or do you still think that they're a, a team that's going to be fighting the drop? Uh, honestly, I think they're going to be a team that's going to be fighting the drop. Okay. Yes, they 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 completely changed their back four, which is good, you know, because Bruno Alves and the bunch last year were uh, were completely terrible, giving up yeah. uh, seventy some goals or whatever. But yes, it's a new back four, but I still think there's the same problems. Um, they need they need a lot of help. Uh, Nicola Barella, Joe Joe Pedro, um, Marco Sal, those those guys will help you know help a lot. But I think they need there's a lot of uh, work to be done there, and I think they're going to be in that danger zone. They won't be at the bottom, but they'll be very close. Uh, I'm afraid all season long. So, okay, I. I'm going to, well, in my predictions, uh, I said Calgary will stay up. Uh, I'm going to stick with that. Um, I, I think that they will get better. They're going to have a couple of games here where they're going to have to cope without a true target in Marco Bodiello, but I think that they have some talent there with Farias, Jao Pedro, uh, Sal, uh, among others, that, that they'll be able to uh, sort that out. And then I, I think that this is a group that will get better defensively too, uh, you know, as the season goes on. So. Yeah, I'm going to keep them up. Uh, you you think there is still you think it's a relegation fight? I think they're in a relegation fight, but I think they'll survive it. Yeah, it'll be it'll definitely be close. Definitely be close. Sure. Now, who do you what do you think about Catrone? Who does he, does he does he not remind you of Inzaghi with his movements? I mean, he's not the most <coughs> great player to watch, but he find, he's in the right place at the right time. I mean, look at that goal he scored today. You know, most players would not make that run to the back post like he did. Most guys just oh, Souza shooting it. Let's leave it alone. I mean, he's I, he's every, he's at every right place every time. I think he's looking like a better footballer than Inzaghi was. Oh yeah, uh, definitely. So for me, Inzaghi was a finisher, and there wasn't a whole lot of thing. There was there wasn't a whole lot that he did better. I mean, right. but if you're going to be elite at finishing, you're going to make a starting eleven on a on a top team. So, um, you know, positioning and movement off the ball. Those you know, positioning and his movement off the ball. Um, you know, are reasons why he was such a great finisher. Cutrone, I think, has better hold-up play. Yes, um, and bigger body, bigger body for stronger, sure. Stronger, bigger target. So he has those in. He, he's showing those Inzaghi instincts. I'm not gonna say he has them. He's very young, but he's showing those Inzaghi instincts. But he's also showing much better hold-up play. And he's pacier uh, too than Inzaghi was. Mm, you don't think? Inzaghi was quick. I mean, but Inzaghi was deceptively quick. You know, true, true. Zagi was the, you know, like razor thin margins uh, as far as offside was concerned in his career. And yeah. I think <laughs> I can't remember what to say. Somebody said that people when Zagi was actually born in an offside position or something like that. I can't remember who <laughs> yeah. said that at one point. I've heard that. So, <clears throat> I know that Johan Cruyff said about people in Zagi. He said he can't play football for shit, but man, he can score goals. So um, and I, th- I think it was Cruyff that said that about him. But um uh, but but yeah, I mean, I, I see I see his I see the um, uh, I, I see the finishing instincts and I see the movements, uh, you know, of Inzaghi. But I also see better hold up play than Inzaghi. I think that's where I'm at with Cucinone. So, um, but young player still got a long way to go. But boy, what a start he's off to! So, yeah, yeah. Uh, nice to have the service in and around and behind him too. Uh, makes it a little bit easier. So. Uh, Quick uh, look at the table through two games. I mean, Juve, Inter, Napoli, Milan, all on six. Not surprising. Sampdoria, they're on six. <clears throat> and then, excuse me. And then a, a couple of the usual suspects. You got Trino, Lazio, 
there on four. Um, you know, very early days, but there you see uh, Fiorentina at the foot of the table on zero. You know, Udinese on zero. Uh, I mean, long way to go, but through these two games, uh, through two games, what team are you looking at and saying, uh, uh, this is this is surprising. I didn't expect you here this uh, this this early here in these first two games. Um, Inter actually, I thought they've been very impressive in the two games that they've won. Um, the way they were able to just put aside Roma today or this weekend was fantastic. I mean, Icardi looks like a man possessed. He 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 looks like like a typical poacher with other great attributes. And he can, not only can he finish, he can hold up the ball, he can set up the play. Um, he just he's just coming to his own right now, and and I, I'm I fear for everybody else because Milan, you know, the red side of Milan, they need to get their act together because uh, at the current rate the Inter is playing, they're gonna they're gonna be up there for the Scudetto race in the early part of the season <clears> I think, <throat> until until they have their mishaps, you know. But uh, Inter, the way they're playing right now under Spalletti, I thought they were gonna have some a little bit of a gelling period, I guess. But he's got them going off to the right, the flying start. So yep. I'm actually quite impressed by what Inter's done so far. I I'm with you on Inter, um, you know, but I don't know if that's I, I wouldn't indict Milan so soon because it's a totally different situation. Yeah. Um, all those players getting used to playing together. At least Inter, you had a baseline of talent there, um, where now you have the managerial st- stability of a Luciano Spalletti. And what's impressing me is how quickly the players are buying into his project and how he plays. I mean, and he likes playing the three front. And, you know, he's going from uh, Perotti, Jacko, Sala to Perisic, Icardi, Candreva. He's got, you know, he's gone from a, a, a very prolific front three to another very prolific front three. So he hasn't had to change anything there. It's the juggling in the midfield and adding a player like Skriniar who, who wasn't terribly impressive in the um you know in the game against uh Roma yesterday at least in the first half he was getting bossed second half he played a lot better yeah. um you know and then having the uh <clears throat> having better fullbacks i mean the the arrivals of Joao Cancelo and uh and Albert um you know bringing some competition to that position i think that he's got some better pieces to work with he figured out a way to get rid of Condogbia too which, if you ask many Inter fans, they were just scratching their heads. And he's also keeping Ader on the bench, mm-hmm. um, which, for some reason, Pioli uh, was always compelled to figure out how to use him. Um, you know, so uh, he's implemented a system. The players have bought into it quick. I, I certainly agree with you there on Inter. You know, I, I don't think, you know, six points is certainly surprising. Uh, no, considering that it was. Well, you, you, so it's not something. It, it, so it's not surprising Fiorentina home, Roma away that they that they're on six points. It's when a you can manner say, the way they, the manner they did it, the way they did it. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah and yeah. and that's what I was going to say. Um, you know, it's uh, just how they how they've come out. You know, uh, with the way they've played. Um, <clears throat> I will also. I mean, I'll I'll say right now. Um, you know, Atalanta and Fiorentina, this is nothing to get scared about. I think that they're going to be fine. Um, it's just, you know, tough uh, tough draw to start the season for them. Um, the teams that I'm worried about, you know, at this point from what I've seen, I'm worried about Crotone. Um, you know, uh, obviously worried about Benevento. Uh, and, and I'm worried about Udinese. Uh, that defense has got to get patched up and sorted out quick. 
because the attacking talent's there to bo- to bother some people. Um, but to your point, uh, Mr. Pozzo might be finding a new, looking for a new manager here before Christmas uh, if it does if things don't improve, which would be a shame because Lu- Luigi Donnelli is a very experienced manager. So, um, your thoughts on what you've seen in the first two games? Who's impressed you? Who's letting you down? Go to at Syria, sit down on Twitter or Instagram with your thoughts. Richard, we're going to jump into Azuri call-ups, but real quickly before that, let's get into some transfer updates. Um, rumors that we're hearing, we don't know if they'll stick yet. Yep. Um, uh, Rafinha from Barcelona to Milan. Uh, Benedict Huvedes from Schalke to Juventus. I don't know why they would do that. Rugani's been very good. Um, Andre Gomez from Barcelona to Juventus. I don't know why they would want to do that. It, apparently, Juve didn't watch Barcelona play last year, um, <laughs> even in the two games they played each other in. Uh, Wesley H- Wesley uh, Hate is it Hate or Hope? Hope. Sure. Either one. Either okay. one. Uh, leaving Lazio to go to Southampton. You're a Southampton fan. This, we, we want to talk about the guys coming to Syria, not the players leaving. Well, that's a big player. Le- they're leaving Lazio. He's a he's a solid defender. So it's yeah, he was decent. He was decent in them last season. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then uh, Joao Cancelo, like we said, Valencia to Inter with uh, Jeffrey Condogbia. Uh, going the other way to Valencia. Um, you know, your thoughts on these rumors and impact, and right now they're only rumors, and then uh, we had John earlier on saying that Sheik's going to Roma. Yeah. Uh, uh, thoughts on any of these? That would be great get if, if they did get Sheik, uh, Roma. Um, but, you know, with uh, Rafinha from Barca to Milan, I don't know Milan need a player like Rafinha. I think their midfield is pretty good right now. I mean, they got to gel together, obviously, but... I don't think they need any help more in the, in the, in the midfield. Uh, Benedict Javides from Schalke to Juventus. Like you said, they got Rugani. I mean, the only thing I can think of is Javides is uh, he can play on as a you know the right side of the defense or central defense. So he has he's a little bit of flexibility there. And you know, with Barzali getting older, and I, maybe that's what they're thinking. I mean, I don't get the Andre Gomez thing. Um, but I think the Inter had made the the best deal of the bunch, you know, this past week when they, you know, they got Jao Cancelo from uh, Valencia and they sent Condogbia away. Um, that, that that they got rid of that guy, that forty million dollar mistake, and got back a young kid who looks hungry. He he did pretty well today, you know, against uh, against Roma. So yeah, yeah, indeed. Um, I, I it's in, it, we'll, we'll not sure what Rafinha is going to do for Milan that the players that currently have are, are you know are doing or are not doing. I think the places the pieces are there for their midfield. They just have to come together and play. And the only thing um, it's going to do is it's going to stunt the growth of like players like Locatelli and and Maori if he stays. I, I don't think it's a good move at all. No, I don't either. I don't either. So that was just a quick look at the transfer updates. Uh, you know, at least what we were getting relatively quiet. Nikola Kalinic did uh, sign with Milan. He actually made an appearance. In the second half of the Calgary game, an incomplete appearance. I mean, the service to him was uh, poor at best. Uh, in you know, in the second half when he was on, it was. Yeah. I think yet he, he found it hard to get anything, uh, and I think a lot of that had to do with the heat that they were playing in, and the players that were on the pitch were already tired and <clears throat> and really just uh, you know couldn't get him involved like they like they wanted to. So, um, but you know, we'll we'll see, and then. Um, who said Cancelo completed his move to Inter as well, uh, uh, giving them another fullback, uh, you know, to work with. So, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, deadline day coming up uh, here later this week. So 
the teams will be complete by then and we can stop talking about this stuff and we can speculate about we can speculate what's going to happen in future windows so i <laughs> can't wait i can't wait for january when we have to talk about everybody oh. that's going to get loaned and all this other stuff you know just uh that's just uh, uh it, it goes well with such an awful winter at least um, we don't have to talk about the Milan anymore. Yeah, yeah. At least, we, yeah, we don't have to do that either. So there's that to look forward to. <laughs> so let's get to uh, we the Azuri. Uh, we found the call-ups from Jampiero uh, uh, Ventura uh, in advance. Uh, they go to Spain. Huge game there. And what's the other qualifier they've got? Is it Macedonia or is I it Israel? So. Uh, no, it's Israel. Uh, I think. Is it Israel? Okay. Israel, Israel home. Okay. <clears throat> I believe. Um, this is this is this is what happens when you're sick and you just stop reading things. Uh, so, but that we we mentioned that if they want to qualify for this World Cup uh, outright, that they have to win this game in Spain. Uh, Spain's not going to drop any points the rest of the way. Um, they'll have to overtake them at the top. Uh, if um, you know if they draw, they're going to have to draw somewhere in the range of uh, two two. But I think it's goal difference that. Um, that is what uh, drives the uh, tiebreaker should it happen. So it is a must win. Yes, they do play at home against Israel on September 5th. September 2nd, they travel to the Santiago Bernabeu uh, to take on Spain. Uh, and we're in agreement, Richard. They have to win that if they want to win the group outright. Otherwise, they're staring down a playoff. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty positive that's the result they need. And even in a playoff, I'd feel pretty confident because they, they will run those coefficients and they'll – likely draw a, a a european side that that they'll have a good chance of uh being able to beat and send send out so um but let's get to ventura's call up uh called roster for these world cup qualifiers in goal no real surprises here juventus is gianluigi buffon milan's gianluigi donnarumma and genoa's mattia perin uh no surprise pretty straightforward that's they've they've been the three and perin's the third man now that he's fit yep good group Okay. <clears throat> Defenders, Davide Astori of Fiorentina, Andrea Barzali of Juventus, Leonardo Bonucci of Juventus. Uh, no, Milan. Oops. <laughs> Every time I've read, had to read, you know, sorry, Milan fans, I won't do it again. Uh, Giorgio Chiellini of Juventus, Andrea Conti of Milan, Danilo D'Ambrosio of Inter, Matteo Darmian of Manchester United, Daniele Rugani of Juventus, good for him, and Leonardo Spinazzola of Atalanta. Yeah, good for him, too. Anyone what? snubbed? Anyone snubbed here? Snubbed. Um, I can't think of snubs, but I can think. I can't think of why Matteo Darmian is playing. Just like just like Montalivo, you know, he must have incriminating pictures of of of, of Giampiero because I don't understand his call ups at all. He's not getting playing time with United, so why? I think he's keeping uh, uh, Florenzi's place warm right now. Until Florenzi yeah. gets back to full fitness and can prove himself, I think when I would have called, <clears throat> I would have called up Florenzi just to do it, <laughs> just to put him on the bench and just kind of get him acclimated with everybody, and just not to have Darmian. <laughs> yep, and just not to have Darmian. Okay, that's that's an interesting one. I don't. Can you think of any any snubs um, on the defense? On the defense, I, I think this is pretty straightforward. I I wonder why Matias Cabrera didn't get a shout here. Um, you know, I think that. Uh, and 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 I had a back and forth with a couple of guys on Twitter. Why why aren't some of these younger guys getting an opportunity? Romagnoli's uh, injured, so that makes sense. Yeah, he's coming Roman, off an injury. But agreed, agreed. And uh, 
Um, I just it, it, it confuses me how Andrea Barzali uh, continues to get on these teams if he's just there for the experience and he's for the uh, the, the dressing room stability. Um, who knows? He carries Buffon's bags. Is, is that what it is? Okay. <laughs> okay. Well, I, there had to be a reason for something. Well, what is he going to do after the World Cup? Because Buffon will be retiring. He, so. he should retire too. Retire right with him? Okay. <clears throat> Moving on. Midfield. Uh, Daniele De Rossi of Roma and John, John Solano, who we had on earlier, will tell you bad call. Uh, <laughs> Ricardo Montalivo of Milan, who Richard and I will tell you bad call. Yes. Uh, Marco Parolo of Lazio uh, is an interesting one. Lorenzo Pellegrini of Roma. Marco Verratti of Paris Saint-Germain. Federico Bernardeschi of Juventus. Antonio Cambreve of Inter. Stefan El Sarari of Roma. And Lorenzo Insigne of Napoli. Montalivo. Why? We, why? Because he scored two goals against Cryova. I mean, it makes no sense. You, 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 you take him and you leave off uh, Jorginho, for example. A lot of people on Twitter just hot that Jorginho doesn't get a call up yeah. uh, for Napoli um, when he's eligible. And I think hasn't Diawara made himself eligible for uh, for it for the Italian national team too? Oh, I'd take him in a heartbeat over Montalivo or most of these guys. Diawara is fantastic. I, I thought I saw somewhere that he wants to make himself an Italy international. I don't know if there's any truth to that, but um, oh, I hope you, so. That would be great. Yeah. Anyone listening? Anyone listening to this can clarify that for us at Syria Sit Down. We'd appreciate it. But I thought I saw a couple of. Uh, uh, couple of rumblings that that that's that that is the case um uh galliardini's hurt isn't he uh well yeah i think maybe he got hurt today or against uh roma because he was subbed off at halftime i believe for Gian mario so maybe uh, that's what it was okay it had to be something so <clears throat> interesting interesting not seeing him on this list so it's it's you know he's i understand because you got to go to spain and you got to play israel at home which you know it's harder to play at israel than it is to play at home against them yeah um i understand the need for veterans but i think we're a little over the top with the veterans uh just reading through the uh goalkeeper defender and midfielders um forwards andrea balotti of trino Eder, for Christ's sake, again, Why? of Inter. Manolo Gabbiadini of Southampton, which is not as bad as you think it would be. And been, uh, Ciro Immobile of Lazio. Uh, Gabbiadini's been pretty good for Southampton to start the season. Yeah, and he was good last season, too. Uh, he seemed to have found his niche again, you know, back with Southampton. So he's he's getting the goal, so that's that's good to have him. I mean, Eder, though. I'd rather you bring... <laughs> I know he's not going to bring back... Uh, um, What's his face over in China? Pele. China. Pele. Yeah, they're, they're not going to bring up Pele, but um, Eder, man, come on. He doesn't do anything. Does he even play anymore for Inter? He's on the bench. I had this conversation with a friend of mine middle of the week. He says, <clears throat> Would, is, is Sebastian Javinko ever going to be in this Italy national team? And I said, you know, as long as he's playing for Toronto FC, unfortunately, no. And... Um, he's playing great for them too, and he's playing phenomenal for them. And I would take Javinko over Ader every yes. time you ask me. So, um, so it's it's frustrating in that regard. Um, maybe the way uh, Ventura sets up because he's going to be in this four four two, four two four, if you will, 
where Insigne is running down the left, Candreva is running down the right, and then you've got Belotti and Immobile up front. You've got a couple of good midfielders that Javinko is kind of a uh, kind of an underneath center forward and not really a target. And that maybe you know, if you wanted to tell me that, then I could, I could, I could possibly believe it. But to you know, to to because of the league he plays in, that's just unacceptable. Yeah. Um, when you pick a guy that you know can't even get on the pitch uh, for Inter, um, you know, and pretty much uh, got on the pitch last season out of pity, um, playing for uh, playing for Stefano Pioli, and he's just not good at Inter. I just no, he's. He, you know, so it boggles the mind. I understand. So my reaction to this is said, okay, the young guys. There's some young guys that deserve a shot. I get going veteran because these are in a, these are these are critical qualifiers, especially the game in Spain. But these are there's too many veterans on this team, Richard. Yeah, Lapadula could have been much better than Adair. Uh huh. Another one. Yep. Yep. I agree with you. I agree with you. So. <clears throat> A little critical of Ventura, but then again, he watches everybody every day. Um, we try to watch everybody every day, uh, you know, and, and he, it's his job and not ours. So, uh, you know, at Spain, Israel at home, uh, going to be difficult going to Spain with some of those players in the form that they're in. Uh, I would say, and this does not really work well for Italy, but I think a draw there... Uh, and then winning at home against Israel is what is going to be the uh, reasonable thing to expect. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it'll take a fantastic play for them to beat Spain in Spain. Um, but I think if they can get a if they can get a draw there, which would be a fantastic result, and then and then get a win get a win uh, against Israel, that's probably the most ideal or most likely thing, I guess, to to say that would happen. Sure, sure. Uh, we will find out, and uh, we will have reaction to the uh, Italy-Spain game in our uh, podcast next week and set you up for the uh, game against Israel before we get back to the clubs. Uh, so uh, do, be, do, do be on the lookout for that uh, podcast next week. Go to at SiriusItDone on Twitter uh, or Instagram. Vent your disgust at uh, Ventura's called up the Zuri. Who should have been in? Who should have been out? Uh, I think we were pretty thorough about that, but you may also have some other ideas and we also like hearing those. So, um, match week three in a couple of weeks, Richard Lazio Milan, the headliner, you got Sampdoria at home against Roma, uh, is Sampdoria for real? Can Roma bounce back? Uh, clearly these are going to be the, uh, cream of match week three. Would you agree? I would agree. Yeah. Um, it's good. It'll be a good test to see what Milan does on the road and what Lazio, you know, can they continue this winning streak <laughs> um, that they've put themselves on now? <clears throat> game, and then Sampdoria, yep. you know, I want to see what they're they going to what they're going to do. They're going to play another good opponent. Uh, can they get another result? Uh, and what what's how's Roma going to react after uh, I would say an embarrassing loss at home to Inter? So it's uh, it'll be very interesting. That that would probably interest me the most because I want to see how Roma and Eusebio De Francesco react. Uh, can they bounce back or, you know, what? I want to see some fight from them, and I want to see if, if this team is capable of that. I'm not sure yet. They have the yep. players to do it, but I don't know. It uh, I still need to be convinced. Mm-hmm. Yep, we'll uh, we'll see what happens. Sampdoria, Roma, you know, is Sampdoria for real? Will Roma bounce back? Those are going to be some interesting questions from that game. And, you know, 
will the break do Milan some good? Will they look a little more organized than they than they appeared to look against Cagliari? And you know, can Lazio keep this up despite some of the absences uh, from their team? So uh, that will put a bow on this edition of Syria Sit Down. Uh, Richard, how about a, uh, a Twitter check and uh, anything you want to plug? Fire away. All right. As always, you can find me at r underscore Carmen. Uh, this past week for WFI, I released an article, Young Italian Stars, focusing on David Davide Calabria. Oh, man, it's a mouthful. Um, and also this past week, I, um, an article has been coming out for um, for SBN Nation uh, for the Milan blog there where I talk about uh, some of the young stars from Milan. So look forward to that. I will tweet that out as soon as it comes out. Excellent. You can also go to at Syria Sit Down on Twitter uh, or Instagram, as we've been saying. Uh, for me, I'm at FTC underscore 21 on Twitter. Uh, look for me there. Uh, plenty of random thoughts about Calcio uh, and football. And, uh, hey, none of us are Arsenal right now. So, um, true. you know, so we've got we've got that going for us, which is nice. Um, uh, Calcio Consultant will be back up. Um, I'll have what are you reaction. writing about this week? I'm just going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to say a few. I'm going to write a few words. I you know, probably about Calcio. <laughs> <laughs> I hope. So, yep. That's that, that that's my intention. Uh, you never know with me. Uh, probably uh, get a little bit more in detail of, uh, you know, probably do another team of the week in, in my blog. Uh, maybe get into uh, the hesitancy with VAR, at least a couple of occasions in the Milan game. Uh, and then in the uh, Roma, Roma Inter game, now all of a sudden, you know, first week we seem to, you know, they seem to get aggressive with using it. Now they're they're scaling it back. So, uh, can it work? Yes. Needs to find some degree of consistency where it works for every referee unit. Um, I don't I don't like talking about referees. I'm not going to talk about that. I'll have something. Uh, it will. There will be a there will be an updated Calcio consultant coming out this week. So, um, do look forward to that. And uh, you never know what I'm going to write about. Uh, but anyway. Uh, that's all I've got between that and in the pod. So I want to thank you all for listening again. We want to thank our guest, John Solano for jumping on and giving us all things Roma, uh, and, uh, and giving us a little bit of his time. Uh, we want to thank all of you, uh, for continuing to listen to us and for your support. Um, we also want to give thanks to Lega Serie A, uh, for the highlights. Uh, we do want to thank all in sports talk, uh, for having us be part of their lineup. Uh, you can also find us on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Stitcher. And as always, be sure you tell your paisans about us. Ciao.